your farm and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. Wisconsin is home to a world-class facility driving the development of new products to meet consumer demands both domestically and abroad. I'm talking about the Center for Dairy Research located in Madison, Wisconsin. Your dairy farm dollars fund this innovation through Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin our dairy checkoff program here in Wisconsin. Today, we are going to take you behind the scenes of how the Center for Dairy Research, or you also hear me say CDR, has supported dairy processors. Our guests today are Ken Hyman, a master cheesemaker who owns Nasonville Dairy in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and also is encyclopedia of all things dairy. He has over 65 years in the cheesemaking industry. Also with us is John Yagi. He's the coordinator of the Cheese Industry and Application Program and the coordinator of the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program at the Center for Dairy Research. He is a third-generation licensed Wisconsin cheesemaker with over 45 years of experience. John is responsible for coordinating and executing trials and applications of extension. This first part will focus on processor challenges and how CDR can help. Ken will be sharing some real-life examples of challenges at Nasonville Dairy and the support he received. We will also touch on other challenges John is supporting processors with. So to get this first part started, Ken, can you share more about the challenges Nasonville Dairy has experienced and when you connected with CDR? I don't think Nasonville Dairy is any different than any other cheese plant in the state of Wisconsin, especially. We usually run to CDR as soon as you have a problem. <laughs> um, they are a wealth of knowledge. They've pretty much seen everything under the sun. And so we, uh, I'm sure we got there the very first time when we probably had a problem with some type of gas and cheese years and years ago or some other entity that didn't work out the way we thought it should. Center for Dairy Research has always been there to alienate a problem, get it cured, get it gone, and on we go from there. But since then, they've become a wealth of knowledge in doing a lot of background checks for us, looking at different things throughout the world, different cheeses that we seek to make in this country, and uh, we've been able to do that. The biggest thing of all is being there and having the knowledge that they have they are a wealth of knowledge. Ken, can you walk me through maybe one of us a, a specific example of something that recently happened where you kind of felt like they were your saving grace that you were able to call them to help fix a problem? I guess I can do that. I, there's a couple that would really stand to mind, but the first one might be just as a couple of years old and it has to do with Blue Marble Jack. When we were first looking at Blue Marble Jack, it's a way of taking Monterey Jack, making it look and taste like blue. Now, when I talk about the look, the taste was probably the easier part. The other part, the getting the blue to it, the first cheese we made, it looked like Smurf cheese. It was absolutely blue. Everything was blue. And if it hadn't been for John and the guys down there, it might be that way today or it would have never taken off. The other ones that we have to do with right now have to do with a couple of the things that we've worked on very diligently, and that would be with changing the feta and what changes we need to make there. We wanted a better flavor profile. We were looking for uh, more body in our cheese. We're working with uh, our equipment that we're using on feta is actually from France. And so we just needed to make some adjustments there. And we were very fortunate in having them there to do that. We've used them on projects 
all over the world. I mean, they've worked very diligently on a, a project for China with us, and it's worked out very well. Yeah, sounds like a lot of technical support. John, is there anything you'd like to add about how you've specifically supported NASAville with some of those challenges? Yeah, I, I would. And first of all, thank you everyone for listening in today. Um, it's always exciting to talk about the dairy checkoff and how much that means to our industry. And I've been here at CDR for over 30 years, and I can emphatically tell you the investment that farmers make and the dairy farmers of Wisconsin have made into CDR in the growth of our center, which has allowed us to help people like Ken and the rest of the Wisconsin dairy industry grow. And it's linear when you look at specialty cheese development from the time the investment started in the early 90s to where we are today, looking at that growth. So in the case of Nasonville Dairy, we think very highly of Ken and the Hyman family because they're innovators. And in our industry, we need more innovators. We need people to kind of step out of the box and look forward. What's the next thing we can do to grow dairy? Whether it's fluid milk, whether it's cheese, whether it's it's other whey-based ingredients. So it is always um, good to work with folks such as Nasonville because they will take what we um, work with them on and actually bring it to fruition which is good, but we've had a long relationship with Nasonville going back almost 30 years in various aspects, whether it's been troubleshooting, product development, testing ingredients, and they're a key partner. And what what I would personally consider one of the leaders of our dairy industry and a visionary looking where we need to go into the future. Right. It's really great that we have this collaboration right here in our state. John, how many processors and or projects does CDR support in a year with challenges? We have multiple projects. Some are are contract, what we call fee-for-service, that's done in our VATS here. Some of it is done out in the field. And we also have research projects that are forward-thinking, kind of where do we want to take the industry um, in, in in the future years. As far as what we have, it's in the hundreds literally hundreds that we go through and it's and it's multiple contacts it's not just a one-off a lot of times it's a partnership it's a long-term partnership but we have hundreds literally hundreds of different activities and projects going it could range from troubleshooting it could be product development it could be testing ingredients it could be any of the above i'm curious you know within the last five years what was the most common challenge and then maybe some common challenges you've experienced this year yeah probably overall the biggest challenge there are many different things that come up but probably one of the biggest things that we've had issues with is cheese functionality you know getting it to get to the retail segment does it slice properly does it cut properly does it melt does it taste like it needs to? That That's an ongoing challenge. Recently, there's been issues Ken had mentioned earlier on gas formation that can come through either practices on the farm. It could come through ingredients that cheesemakers use, how you identify the formation because gas can cause issues when you go to cut and slice cheese and, and it makes it very difficult. So those are just a couple of many different issues that come up through CDR. The recent pandemic, I mean, I'm sure all these dairy processors had their problems that continue to show up. Did the pandemic add additional headaches that you guys were getting more phone calls about? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ken could answer on his end as well. But the big focus, the big shift that we saw with, um, with COVID was a shift 
from food service to the retail segment. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the retail segment exploded. The food service died on the vine overnight, and it's bounced back now. But immediately, CDR phones were melting off the wall mm-hmm. from a lot of manufacturers that were very into food service. All of a sudden, that market dried up immediately and had to shift to the retail segment. So we were getting a lot of calls based on our experience, how to change make schedules, how to make different cheeses, how to target the retail segment, things to be careful of. We had done webinars with well over 400 people that were uh, attuned to it from around the United States on the things that needed to be done. And based on a lot of the research funded by dairy farmers, we were able to utilize a lot of that knowledge as far as shelf life extension, how to store cheese to make it through the pandemic. And, you know, as a team, between the industry and and CDR, we were able to uh, weather that storm. Right. Ken, is there anything you'd like to add, take us back three years ago and what your plant was going through when the pandemic started? We were one of the people that John's referring to that we were probably less than 10% of ours was retail and 90 some percent of it was food service. Wow. Uh, It was like getting your head handed to you. We needed to address that very quickly. We needed to get heavier. We were headed in that direction. We had planned that, but we were not ready for a pandemic. We were not ready to make up an absolute corner and just all of a sudden say, we got to head there and we got to get there now. And with CDR's help, we were very fortunate that they gave us the help we needed to make sure we didn't make any blunders. Because as John's saying, when you look at cheeses, when they're looking at this, an end user wants to be able to use that cheese, whether it's for slicing, whether it's for shredding, whether it's for chunking, he wants to use the same piece of cheese. And every one of those takes a little bit different dynamic. And CDR helped us with those. They helped us with uh, understanding what gas pressures we were looking for as far as cupping, what we were looking for as far as longevity, and how we could make it work. But it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. Right. I can't imagine the anxiety that was going through with you and your family with coping with that challenge. So I'm glad CDR was there as a resource. And Ken, you kind of alluded to this already, but you know, from a timing standpoint, you guys don't stop getting milk. So does CDR... CDR support you in a timely manner um, and help you address these challenges quickly? Well, undoubtedly they do. I mean, you'd always like, you know, you're always giving them a hard time about what they, what they do or, you know, how quickly they respond. But John, (laughs) Dean, Mike, you know, all of them, whether it be all the way back to Mark or whatever, all of them do a phenomenal job in getting you the answers. They're going to get you the short term and then they'll get you the long term answer because most of the time it's going to be, you know, what can we do at this moment? And then, well, continue to monitor this and take a look at this and see how this does. And that'll tell you what we're doing down the road. And uh, yeah, it was a quick response, but it, you know, you have to remember, as you said, the milk keeps coming in the, in the door every day. Mm-hmm. And the thing that becomes such an element here is we have to be able to get that processed and make it into a product we can sell for us to make cheese and put it in a warehouse and sit on it and then see what's going to happen in the future is not an option. Everything we could get from CDR was ultimately, ultimately, ultimately important. It's that domino effect. If you guys aren't succeeding, it's going to go down to the farmers and everyone that's supplying the farmers. Kind of playing a little bit devil's advocate, Ken, why call CDR? Wouldn't the manufacturers and the providers of your products be able to supply you adequate support? Absolutely not. Hmm. If you ask John, I'm sure he'll come back to you with the answer. They come to them looking for the answers. CDR is a wealth of knowledge that cannot be equaled. I know that our dairy farmers of Wisconsin started that and for that we're very grateful. When the new building was being built, dairy farmers of Wisconsin cannot invest money into brick and mortar. So industry stepped up and put up the 30 some million dollars 
to go into this and make it work. So it's one of those things that we look at and it was absolutely relevant that this is what we do because when you look at this, the farmers had put the first part there, but if you're going to extenuate that and keep it going stronger, then you better be putting money into it. Right. John, do you have any comments to make on maybe manufacturers or uh, providers that have contacted CDR for support? Oh, yeah. Um, We get people that contact us, you know, not just people like Ken, the manufacturers, but we're contacted by dairy farmers. We're contacted by ingredient suppliers. We're contacted by equipment companies. We're contacted by chemical suppliers. We're contacted by school lunch programs, FDA regulatory agencies, such as the Department of Ag. We're contacted by everybody and and Ken's right. A lot of times they'll get the answers from us and, and go out into the field. How I look at it, a lot of these people, they do what I kind of say is triage. They're able to give some quick answers and some quick thoughts and maybe how their product will work specifically in their particular case. But if anything goes to the point where it requires, you know, more in-depth look, if it requires any type of testing, because we have a full array of analytical testing to look at at different chemistry um, of the cheese, looking at functionality of the cheese, we can go much deeper into detail than what the day-to-day processors are. They do great. The ingredient suppliers, they're, they're key partners of CDR actually and go out in the field but at a very a very quick answers where CDR would be more long-term on trying to resolve a problem or help through an issue right I feel like a common phrase I'm going to keep saying is CDR is a wealth of knowledge for our industry and we're fortunate again to have them here in our state John what challenges do you see dairy processors facing with exports and export regulation that's always an ongoing issue. You know, different countries have different regulations on how the cheese is to come in. It could be a compositional regulation. It it could be something chemical. Um, For example, a few years ago, there was a question of sorbic acid levels in cheese, and we were getting questions. Companies that maybe use sorbates or that as shelf life extenders to make sure a product holds up when it goes overseas. So then the question is, is there anything natural that I'm utilizing, something in my product line that would cause sorbic acid to rise that could trigger issues overseas? So those type of issues go on all the time. I mean, there's the um, the regulations and then there's also logistics, you know, with COVID labor shortages, we all know about all the, the issues exporters have had on docks, trying to get product collated together, trying to get shipping containers, trying to get it overseas and find shippers, dock issues. So, I mean, it is regulations, but it's also just logistics. So it, it's been a challenge for sure. Definitely. And Ken, do you have anything to add on maybe some export items you guys have worked on and some challenges you faced there? Well, I guess the big things are is we we created new products for China. But as John's saying, you know, sometimes we run into the most unusual things in the world. We try to compete in, let's say, the Emerald. Uh, you're trying to compete in the Southeast Asia markets, all right? Mm-hmm. But when you find out you're competing with the EU, and the EU is very good at, they take uh, all the butterfat out because they like butterfat and that was bringing them money and they'll replace the oils in there with sunflower oil and other oils you know <laughs> that uh, show up as fats and so when I send it back to Center for Dairy Research they're going you are kidding me aren't you they just look at things and go this is this is not if you're going to compete with this you're not going to be able to make it in this country the way it is so mm-hmm. is you know there's all you're always running into things in the world that you count on and you look at and you 
you bring it back here and they dissect it and take it apart and understand it. And I'll give you a, one example from a number of years ago that might be of interest to you. And I, John will look way back at this and say that long ago. There was a point in time when malamine imported into this country had come here. And if you understand malamine, it's a fiberglass. It looks like milk, but it has no nutrient value. But the testing Center for Dairy Research was the people who put the new testing together for the world to understand how this could possibly have happened where they actually starved all these infants to death on this product. So, hmm. I mean, it's important. It's important to understand what our Center for Dairy Research is putting out here in comparison to the world. Right. John, is there anything you wanted to add on that comment? I mean, Ken's right that we're involved in, in all these different issues it, from a regulatory standpoint because we are the, the largest center in the United States. So we're looked on as the leader of the whole, not just Wisconsin, but the whole United States. So a lot of different segments of our industry rely on CDR for our analytical techniques and our expert advice. So when we work, whether it's an issue, as Ken mentioned, or whether it's exporting cheese or, or trying to find any of these issues that could cause basically throw off roadblocks to us penetrating a market. CDR is there to be able to figure out how to overcome these obstacles. Now, final question as we wrap up this first part of Dairy Stream. Ken, I'd like to get your perspective first, and then John, if you want to add any comments. So we recently just had the cheese competition here in Green Bay. With such a competitive market now, why is it important to have products receiving awards at contests, and what role does that play in the future of your product? I guess, first of all, what you're always looking for is You'd like, you no different than farming, no different than anything else. You'd like to know what your competitors are doing or how you stack up against your competitors. Mm -hmm. And you'd like to know what the judges think. Every time, you know, so different judges have different criteria when they look at things. They're given the criteria they're to use, but it's in the back of their mind what they're truly looking for. And uh, when we look at it, it's always, how did I stack up against them? How did I do? How, you know, my competitors, I want to know that I'm staying with them. Uh, none of them are exactly ever perfect because we have a different group of customers that are looking for certain things that our competitors are not looking for. And so sometimes it works to our advantage, sometimes not. And John, mm -hmm. from your perspective? There's a lot of CDR staff that are asked to be judges in the contest, particularly with the World Contest and the U.S. Contest that, that recently wrapped up in Green Bay. And the reason CDR staff are asked, because we see all these different products, you know, beyond just cheddar and mozzarella, you know, we're involved in many different specialty cheeses from the development and tasting and, and how to handle it. So we're called upon it. And, and as judges, this contest does an excellent job to make sure that the judges are of expert character because we know what this contest means for people like Ken and others in our industry because there was a, uh, some work done a number of years ago where um, a, a small little farmstead manufacturer won the U.S. contest a number of years ago, and they figured the free advertisement was worth millions yeah. with an M uh, of winning the contest. So as judges, you have to have the character to evaluate the product for what it is, regardless of, of who makes it. And a lot of times you don't know who makes it, but you know when you're around in the industry, sometimes based on who we work with, you kind of can tell, but you've got to put personal feelings or preferences, whether it's a particular cheese or flavor or texture, and you've got to evaluate that cheese for what it is. I'm curious, John, do you get a lot more phone calls? I mean, we have such a competitive market here in Wisconsin. If a cheesemaker or dairy processor is taking second, third, or fourth, fifth place, are they calling you after the contest to say, hey, how can I be better? 
Oh yeah, all the all the time, and and that's one of the things when we do the sheets that I know personally I take pride in is I like to put comments down, so the cheesemaker because they spend a lot of time. These mm -hmm. cheesemakers don't have a lot of time to prepare a sample and pull it out of uh, out of their stock, getting it ready to the contest to make sure it's an excellent piece of cheese. It takes them a lot of time and it's a financial investment. So I feel the least we could do as judges is to at least give feedback and take the time to put commentary down. That helps the cheesemaker kind of see what the judges are seeing. And it also is, a, to be frank, a, a trigger for myself. So if somebody like Ken says, John, well, it says here, my cheese was a little acid. Could you explain? And it's an educational thing. It's a way to improve Wisconsin and, and frankly, the United States dairy industry to go back to the companies if they have questions and explain, you know, what we were seeing and ways to improve upon that. That voice you just heard was John Yagi with the Center for Dairy Research. Also with us is Ken Heinemann, owner of Nasonville Dairy in Marshfield, Wisconsin. We are focusing in on some of those processor challenges and how CDR can help and support. After the break, we're going to jump into how to ask for help, future challenges with dairy processing and research. So make sure you stay with us. We will be right back with Dairy Stream after we hear from our sponsor. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers and to drive demand for Wisconsin's dairy products. The organization represents Wisconsin farm families and works to increase the sale and consumption of Wisconsin milk and dairy products, as well as build trust in dairy farmers and the industry. Organizational initiatives include generating national publicity, managing digital advertising, and driving sales, distribution, and trial through the retail and food service promotions. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin also supports in-school education about the benefits of dairy and funding for the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. For more information and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit wisconsindairy.org. Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. The second part of Dairy Stream will cover how to ask for help, future challenges in dairy processing, and research. Our guests today are Ken Heinemann. He's the owner of Nasonville Dairy and a master cheesemaker. Also, John Yagi. He is the coordinator of the Cheese Industry and Application Program and the coordinator of the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program at the Center for Dairy Research. So, John, if you could kick off this second part sharing how does a processor reach out to CDR for support? You know, that's an excellent question. So there's multiple ways in the front door of CDR. You know, there's the typical what you would expect, the stock answer through the website, email, calls, but it goes much more than that. Um, we've got key partnership with all the processors and manufacturers in the state of Wisconsin and across the United States. How they can contact us, it's literally through our short courses. It could be through our Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker program where we have people come in, they know how to reach us through that. It could be through any of the conferences and seminars that we pre present at. We go around the state um, stopping at various plants and meeting with, with different staff in different areas of, of facilities. So it's a multi-pronged approach and how they reach us. Pretty much everyone knows how to get a hold of us through, through one of those avenues. Okay. And you mentioned Wisconsin. Do Wisconsin processors get the priority over other states? 
Yes, they do. That is one thing that I focus on in the center. When we need to look at projects, we look at the impact and the consumption on dairy solids because that is our primary goal that we promote the consumption of dairy solids and Wisconsin does get a priority. They are number one, our manufacturers. We also have a center industry team made up of, of ingredient suppliers and large manufacturers, converters, end users of product both in Wisconsin and across the United States and on our industry team as well also gets priority with Wisconsin. And does CDR provide international support and if so how? It does strategically so there has to be a benefit for Wisconsin and for the United States. If we are educating others to compete against this, no. If it is a collaborative partnership in order to promote the consumption of dairy solids, Wisconsin and nationally, will we provide support? Yes. I'll give you a couple examples. We have a company that is located in Wisconsin that also is international that is funding a graduate student that we are currently doing work on looking at functionality and and chemistry of mozzarella during manufacture. And this knowledge will not only benefit this particular company who does have a, a plant in Wisconsin, but will also benefit our industry as a whole. Because in that particular case, it is a publicly funded project. So that is a case. Other times we're asked to conduct training seminars through uh, the United States Dairy Export Council, where we will bring trade missions into CDR looking how to best utilize dairy ingredients, whey protein powders, milk, specially made milk protein powders, cheese, etc., and how to maximize our product usage overseas. And John, one thing I want to follow up with and a comment you made in the first part, you said even dairy farmers reach out to CDR for support. How are they reaching out to you and what kind of questions are they asking? Yeah, so it, it could be something from a milk quality issue just standard microbiological questions, maybe compositional questions. It could go on to products. You know, a lot of the small and medium farms are looking at setting up their own operations, and CDR has been extremely active in this area area for a number of years. So sometimes it's dairy farmers that looking to kick the can a little bit. Why can't we build an on-farm facility? Why can't we take our milk and contract with a manufacturer and make cheese specifically out of our milk? So we get those type of questions all the time. Now, Ken, I know you have a good relationship with John, but how do you reach out to CDR and does it come with a price tag when you call them? I guess the biggest things are, first of all, that reaching out to John for me is relatively easy because of being one of the master cheesemakers. We get some help from them all the time. We're always being graded on what they're doing, things like that. So that part helps. But the other part is normally we become such close friends that after a fashion, it all comes down to a phone call. You know, And, and yes, he does answer his phone at seven o'clock in the morning at home. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> we want you to understand that he... Uh, He'll, he'll always get us an email back when we do ask questions. So I guess that as far as us reaching out to them, it is relatively quite easy for he or Dean or any of the guys down there to, to get us answers. And do you have to pay for the support you receive from CDR? It's a double-edged sword there. What it is is if I ask them to do something specific for me and I pay for it, it becomes proprietary information to Nasonville to Hyman's, whatever, it becomes our proprietary information. If it becomes a, a research project for them, it's open to everyone. So you can you can pick your reasoning on what you're looking for. But the long and the short of it is, you know, no matter what knowledge we get from them, 
it's absolutely priceless to us and to the industry itself. Leads right into the next question. For you, John, can you speak to the confidential assistance that you have to provide dairy processors? Because it is such a competitive market. And how are you keeping things confidential? And how often are processors asking, hey, I want this to be confidential? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. And, you know, obviously we treat everyone with respect and keep everything confidential each because we work across the industry in the segment. So we're no different than any ingredient supplier or anyone else that works across the spectrum. So there's certain things and and we're upfront with companies and we can do um, NDA agreements. We can write scope of work specifically to a company. So going into anything, you know, CDR brings knowledge to any project or any issue, and we're very upfront, CDR is bringing this knowledge, but the companies also have proprietary knowledge, whether it's certain pieces of equipment, whether it's specific ingredients. And we agree that there's certain knowledge that CDR brings and the company brings, and anything the company brings is confidential. Nothing gets spoken about, because if we were to break that trust, CDR would be dead in the water. How often do you have like similar problems that you kind of already know the answer because of another confidential project you've worked on? Yeah. So, I I mean, it it gets back to what I said earlier. I mean, a lot of times because CDR has a wealth of knowledge and a lot of that is in the public realm, you know, published papers, Mm -hmm. just um, various textbooks, things like that, that we take out and work on. Those those are are go across the end of You know, Ken had mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, about the marble blue jack and some of that things specific to that project stay with Ken. Those won't be talked about with someone else. If someone else comes in, we'll use maybe basic knowledge, you know, of things that are in the public realm. Here's how to attack it. But we won't get into specifics of that particular instance of what Ken had earlier. So there's ways to keep things confidential. Yeah, and it's important that they do so we still have that competitive edge here in Wisconsin. Two more questions as we wrap up this part of Dairy Stream. John, and I'd like Ken to give his perspective too. What future challenges do you see in dairy processing? A couple big things that come to mind for me, labor and, and getting um, folks interested in the dairy industry long term. I think it's a great career um, and, and it has served many of us very well. To me, labor is a big issue in getting folks involved into the future of our industry. The other thing is, is regulations. To me, getting a handle on regulatory issues, labeling issues that are I know are near and dear to both Ken and I, I think there has to be some consistency on rulings, and especially with new technologies emerging, we have to make sure that the United States remains competitive with other countries worldwide. And sometimes we are restricted within our own country on how we can process things, which makes it more difficult to compete on a on a world stage. So to me, I mean, there's a myriad of issues that you know, you can talk about, but to me, the big two I see are are labor and and regulatory, handling regulatory questions and issues. Mm -hmm. And John, I just want to follow up on those two just to get more. I mean, you've been in this industry for so long. Maybe some of the solutions you think to the problem with labor, do you think automation is the way to go? Or is it making sure our technical colleges and, and schools are educating about the dairy industry? 
I think both are key. How can you partner? How can we, you know, keep organizations such a, as FFA and that? How do we keep them active in the schools? How, how can we promote that? I think that is a big thing. And yes, automation, that continues to improve both on the farm and in the cheese plants. So a continuation of that, it, it's definitely a double-edged sword that would help, yes. Right. And and with automation, is there any examples you can share of recent items you've seen automated in dairy processing? Oh, yeah. There's been a lot. The improvement in VAT technology over the years, as far as robotics, as far as handling cheese downstream, cutting cheese, the different uh, equipment that's used there, tracking, uh, being able to track product and SKUs, inventory control, all of that helps in different areas of the manufacturing process. And then with your comment on regulation, do you think it's more lobbying that needs to be happening or is it our farmers, our processors need to be more engaged in the regulatory atmosphere? What are some of your solutions for that? Well, yeah, I, I think there needs to be more advocacy and and also politically. Obviously, that's the big key. Politically, we need everyone engaged to be able to uh, to make sure that we're pushing in the right direction to make the United States competitive worldwide. You know, whether it's it's use of new technologies such as ultrafiltration, microfiltration, where other countries are allowed to use that. When the United States, there's still restrictions in some of that. Some of the labeling we see with milk, you know, calling plant-based materials cheese and milk, which are misleading to dairy consumers and consumers of dairy and trying to piggyback on the success of dairy instead of standing on their own on their own two legs. that I, I think those are issues that need to be addressed. Thank you for that perspective. And now, Ken, I'd like to hear your perspective. What are some future challenges you see in dairy processing? Well, the biggest thing for us right now is, first of all, is the ones that John hit on. But the other would be that, you know, we're seeing the consumer come to us with all kinds of different ideas, different things that they've, you know, that they've seen on the Internet, different things they've seen throughout the world as they travel. You know, we have to be able to address those products because those products are things that are going to continue to grow in our marketplace. You can pick on someone like McDonald's. They're never going to lose a Happy Meal. But the parent that's coming in there is looking for a more and more robust flavor. So we have to continue to come up with flavors from throughout the world that will give them exactly what they're looking for. You know, we see this all the time. I mean, right now uh, we have in this country that are extracting lactoferrin in this country and exporting it. And lactoferrin is a very small component of milk, but it's extremely, extremely valued in other parts of the world as far as its ability to prevent some disease carries and things like that. I mean, these things are going on in this country. And, you know, how are we going to address them? What are we going to do with them? And, you know, what are we going to do to compete with these? And what should we be doing? These are the things that I see as John's saying as far as when it comes to labor, absolutely. If the tech schools could turn out maintenance people and whatnot, we would set the world on fire in this country. But right now, we continue to look at technology, and technology is limited by the people who can take care of it. Following up on your your comment about consumer ideas, is the solution making sure we continue to fund CDR? And is there any other solutions that we could have with making sure that we are listening to our consumers and and developing a product for them? I believe that Dairy Farmers Wisconsin, one of your founding members for the Center for Dairy Research, is actually going to begin to send some of the people to other parts of the world, to some of the big, biggest trade shows in the world, to look at what these consumers are looking for and what they could probably bring to the table and what we should be 
beginning to exemplify in this country as you know trends and so forth. You know, trends used to be a a 20-year thing. Trends are now probably closer to a five-year thing, and they're going to be here and gone and faster than we care to think about. I mean, we do things with things like butter that we chastised for almost 40 years, and then all of a sudden it's back in the limelight, and it's fine because we figured out that the other alternative isn't as good as they said it was. Right. It's constantly changing. And um, even our cultures and the our different generations has definitely changed that. Final question as we wrap up the second part of Dairy Stream. Ken, is the focus for dairy processing on exports? How so or why not? We all look for what we could do, what we could specialize in other parts of the world. Nasonville Dairy isn't huge. We're a bunch of hicks in the middle of central Wisconsin. <laughs> but we export to China, Canada, Saudi Arabia, we export to Panama. We are about to export to Chile. We export to other parts of the world, and, and we have inquiries all the time as to you know, what we should be doing next and how we plan on getting there. To build that market to allow those exports is a big thing from the viewpoint that it takes as little as 1% to 2% of our total sales in this country. If it was all going, if there was that much more going into export, we would create our own shortage in this country and our dairy farmers would be that much better off and on we would go from there. And John, from your perspective, is the focus for dairy processing on exports? Absolutely. Um, Emphatically, yes. I mean, a lot of our research that we're doing right now, and I'm actively involved with um, Dr. John Lucy, who's the center director and the the cheese and um, dairy research staff here at CDR. A lot of our research projects are export focused, shelf life extensions, changing functional properties of cheese. How do you ship cheese so when it gets overseas, it it keeps its quality and is used? We've got different programs such as the the DDIA and others that are looking specifically at products overseas and how our manufacturers can manufacture the product to be identical and meet consumer needs. Um, Just our interactions with uh, U.S. Dairy Export Council, which is a regular ongoing thing with bringing trade missions. I can emphatically say yes. We are forward thinking, looking at exports, and Ken mentioned some of the countries that are key, China, Korea, Vietnam, into the Middle East, you know, and let's not forget about Mexico, just south of our border that takes, I don't know the exact statistics, but they're one of the largest importers of U.S. dairy ingredients of any country. Right. There's a lot of challenges and a lot of optimism, though, that I'm hearing from both of you and glad that we have the Center for Dairy Research on our side. And as you can tell, your checkoff dollars through Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin is well spent at the Center for Dairy Research. We're fortunate to have globally recognized experts at CDR that provide technical assistance to help Wisconsin processors. Thank you again to our guests, Ken Hyman, owner of Nasonville Dairy, and John Yagi. He is the coordinator of the Cheese Industry and Application Program and the coordinator of the Wisconsin Master Cheesemaker Program at the Center for Dairy Research and sharing both of your expertise and experiences. And thank you to you for tuning in to learn more about this topic. I'm your host, Joanna Guza for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.